Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Allison Jones. I'm Christine Turner. This week, we're going to be talking about a real apology. This is coming off of our last episode on safe people. Yeah, I think it's difficult to be in a relationship with with somebody and have it be a safe relationship without there actually being knowledge about and givings of real apologies. And I think, too, a hard part for me in learning about a real apology and becoming a safe person is I knew that I had hurt people in my past. And I knew that I wanted to apologize for that. But there was all this fear behind not being able to be perfect in that relationship and like messing up again. My whole thing was like, I had a come to Jesus moment where I realized, well, I really am not a safe person. You know, I don't listen to people when they tell me no. I don't respect boundaries. I can be, you know, mean or gossip. It's kind of like, okay, once you've had that reckoning, now what? Well, and I'm I'm just curious because I've been thinking about this. I knew that this conversation was coming. Is like, how did you get to the point that you had the reckoning, or did you have it all along and you ignored it? Like, what was that like in your heart, or like the realization of facing it? I was in a really broken place in my life. I would say I had hit rock bottom. Part of picking yourself up from that is doing a lot of inner work, and one of the things that I needed to work on within myself was taking accountability of my relationships and making an inventory of the people that I had hurt in the past or held resentments against. By doing that, making that list, that was when I realized in order to heal myself from the inside, I needed to apologize So did you have a shift of perspective? Like, because one of the big things of a real apology is having objectivity and perspective and humility, like to to say, you know, I am not perfect, make mistakes, I do things wrong, and I want to make amends, I guess is a good way to put it. Like, how did you get that ability? Because that's a frustrating thing in counseling is like, people having a perspective or wanting to have a perspective of anything other than their own point of view? How did you like get that realization? I think it started honestly was when I was making this list, I started off by writing down all the people that I held resentments against. Okay. So the people that had hurt me first. Okay. That's really interesting. And it was a lot easier to make that list than the list of people that I had in turn hurt. And I had a mentor of sorts like walking me through this. And part of coming to recognizing that you have hurt someone is taking accountability for your actions is really for yourself. It's for your own inner peace. Did you believe that when you first started kind of doing the process? Like, I'm at rock bottom. I want to love myself better. And this is a method of it. Or did your friend kind of say, like, if you do this, you're going to have more peace. And you kind of did it with like, okay, I don't believe you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think at the, the point in my life, I was just so desperate 
to feel anything other than defeat. Okay. You know, wow. so I was, I was at such a, a low place in my life and here someone's offering like, here's a way out okay. of this hole that you're in and it's going to take some work. And this is the work that you have to do in order to get out of the hole that you're in. And so I was at a desperate place where I was willing to try anything. It's really interesting when you say that, because I'm thinking of all the people that I know um, and, and people who struggle and everything and how unusual it is for somebody to say, the the way out of my hole isn't that everybody else has to change. Like the way no. out of my hole is I have to change. Like that's pretty remarkable. Well, I think that that's the only way Yeah, because but- you can't change other people. And that's, that's something too, that like, before I went through this process, anytime I apologized, it was with the expectation that something would happen for my benefit after I apologized. Do you know what I mean? So like, let's say as a child, I'm going to go and apologize to mom for kicking my brother so that I can get out of trouble. Okay. There was a benefit tied to the apology. Right. A payoff. A payoff. Exactly. Where... I wanted to apologize so that I could get XYZ or that so someone would XYZ. There was always an ulterior motive. Apologies became a manip- manipulative tool. Right. And, and and there wasn't any like true remorse behind it. Right. It's so funny that you say that because I have a distinct memory when you guys were like in high school. I was in my religious phase. And so I was really into you guys apologizing. And of course, I was into my my phase where I would tell you why you should be sad in your heart, like kind of like the junior Holy Spirit. You were so mean to your brother and that's not loving. And God wants us to love each other. And, and there was a quote of scripture. A in quote there of scripture. Somewhere. Yeah, of course. I have to quote some scripture because you might not know. And I remember going to God and just and just crying out one day and going, God. I can make them say they're apologize, but I can't make them feel sorry. And just hearing so clearly, that's not your job. Yeah. That's my job. You are in charge of being a mom. I'm in charge of the heart. You know, just kind of like, whoa, you know, God's in charge of your guys' hearts and your hearts aren't going very good in my opinion, but okay. You know, and so that was kind of me having another level of surrender of trying to control your heart. Yeah. And I think too, the more that you try to control us, the further we're going to push in the opposite direction. Right. Because the whole game, when you have these forced apologies, and, and just to point out, like there's you know four types of apologies. You know, there's the polite response. Oh, you stepped on your toe. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Pardon me. And we want to train children to like automatic apology. And then there's a the forced, you know, you say you're sorry, you say you're sorry and you say it, but it's not there. And then there's, I was really famous for this one. What do you think that one would be? Probably peacekeeping. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. You know, I'm the one who messed up. I shouldn't have kept you guys up so late because that now you're being mean to each other. So that where I would just step in and apologize. And then there's the fourth type, which we don't hear as often, which is, you know, really heartfelt apologies. And learning how to make a heartfelt apology is something that's like not taught in parenting. I don't think like as kids, we learn the polite apology. We learn the forced apology, especially with siblings. I can see the peacekeeper apology, especially like in marriage where you're just like, I just don't want to fight with you. Okay. I'm sorry. 
and you don't really mean it. It's just a way to keep the peace between your relationship. But the heartfelt apology is something that is more rare because maybe we don't see it as often. Maybe it's not practiced in our family or maybe it's not taught directly. Well, and I think a lot of it comes back to some of the other things we've talked about in family systems where it's like, you know, if you're in a very blaming family where who did this and whose fault is it? The whole point is to get to the point that you're not to blame because there's shame on that. There's condemnation. And so our whole training isn't to say like what's true. It's to say like who is to blame so that I don't have to say the sorry. You have to say you're sorry. Right. That kind of brings me to how I learned about a real apology and like my journey to that. So learning a real apology took me looking back on my behaviors. I started the list of the people that I had wronged and the people that had wronged me. And I took ownership by making that list. You know, like that's kind of the first part is once you recognize the behavior, you know, that's what they say is the first step, right? Right. You can't change what you don't even see. Right. And so your willingness to see this was pretty remarkable. And then, you know, my mentor was talking about how the peace is going to come after you make it right. How long did it take you like to write that out and really think about it? And gosh, that must have been hard. The whole process of trying to apologize I guess it it was like a three-part process, right? And it took a couple months. Okay. So this wasn't like, I'm going to sit down tomorrow and I'm going to write this down. It was more like a slow meditating, thinking about it. I would say it's ongoing. Like it's still to this day, this probably started back 2018. Yeah, probably. So five years ago. Yeah. And it's still something that's ongoing because the things that I apologize for in my relationships are still relationships that I have today. And part of that apology is putting into actions your words. Right. And I almost think of it as like keeping clean slates. Right. Like like everything's not well. Why is everything not good? Like we're not good right now. So what's going on and what's my part? Right. And you'll hear people talking about keeping their side of the street clean. That to me, that image was so powerful because I can't control your side of the street. And I think a lot of my apologies in the past were, I'm going to say, I'm sorry for this part because you wronged me in this way. So hopefully by me saying, I'm sorry for this part that I did, you'll take accountability for your part that really hurt me. Then if they don't, man, it's even worse. I want to take back my apology. Exactly. Yeah. And the behavior continues. So I realized that a lot of that was like me holding grudges, keeping score kind of became exhausting you know, if you rejected me or if you were mean to me or if you didn't include me, if you said something hurtful, I always looked at what they did, right? And a real apology doesn't keep score. It doesn't weigh parts. It doesn't take note of who is at fault more and by how much. And it was my job to hold myself accountable 100% for what I did. My part was 100% of the problem. You know, it's interesting because as you're, you're saying and, and describing what a real apology is, you could also break that down into the definition of love, like biblical love. 
love hopes the best, believes the best, expects the best, does not keep track of wrongs or scores. So it's interesting because we haven't talked about this ahead of time that you're using that that parallel. Yeah. Yeah. There's that parallel. What started to happen is I would, first I wrote down what I had done wrong. And by doing that, I'm, I'm recognizing that I have a problem. I have a problem with crossing people's boundaries. I have a problem when someone tells me no, that they don't want to hang out with me. I take that like to so personally to heart and I feel rejection. So I have all of these self-serving behaviors underlying all of my grudges. So did you, did you notice that you had patterns? Like, did you already already know that you had the pattern? So you didn't know you had the pattern until you wrote it down. Yes. And it became obvious once I wrote it down, what my big lies were that I believed about myself. So if somebody says that they don't want to hang out, they're hurting you. They're not they're, my friend. They're, they're not, not your like friend. They're rejecting you. They they don't like you, and therefore you're I'm, ang- you're I'm usually- worthless because oh okay because they they don't see a value in my friendship. And you know, I I remember seeing a lot more anger than hurt coming out of you. Well, anger is a secondary emotion. We talked about this in psychology. Is a lot of times underneath anger is the true emotion and anger is easier to process. It was coming out in anger, but underneath you're a little bit brokenhearted through all this. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Makes me want to cry. But by doing this process, I became less reactionary and I was less likely to push other people's buttons, push other people's boundaries, partly because I didn't want to have to keep apologizing. Like that part was really hard to like sit there and like own your shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like that's really hard. So part of me was like, okay, I never want to have to do this again. So I'm going to stop these behaviors. But then because I took ownership without trying to get something out of it, my heart started to change. And I think that you recognize that too. It was like a personality shift in me. Yeah. I, I remember you, you know, writing me a letter and just telling me all the things that you kind of owned, you know, and just being like, flabbergasted because a lot of my role had been, I'm the critic, you know, I'll criticize. These are all the things I've been saying all along, you know, kind of thing, which of course we know is not helpful. You're seeing this. And then I remember being surprised because, you know, it's kind of like, I've heard I'm sorry before and and I haven't ever seen a change. Right. And just being flabbergasted when you'd say, hey, mom, do you want to? And I go, no, I don't want to. And you go, okay. Because in the past, I would take that no as a form of rejection or a form of like not getting my way. And so I would push and push and push and push. And now I realize that's not healthy behavior. That was part of right. my unhealthy patterns. And like just like last night, we're um, running some errands. We're in your town and you say, hey, you want to pop over for, for pot roast? And going, no, you know, I have something in the crock pot. I'm just going to go. We could have stayed and eaten. Right. pot roast, but we, we really didn't want to. We were ready to go home. It was the end of our day, but there was no like, oh, you know, my feelings are hurt or yeah. why did you not do that? Or it was just kind of like, oh, you don't want pot roast? You'd rather go home? That's okay. Right. And I think that, so my reactions were really wrapped up in self-centeredness and making everything about me. Like you not wanting pot roast is not a reflection of me, my cooking, you wanting to spend time with me. It's a reflection of hey, you guys have had a long day. You're ready to get home to your own house, to your own meal that you've already made, right? right? So it's taking my ego out of these situations. 
So how were you surprised as you went through this process, your heart changed? What did you notice? Wow, I'm not just going through this, but this is really kind of powerful in my life. Like, what was that like? And what did you notice? I noticed, first of all, that people enjoyed me more because I had this inner peace that I didn't have. I don't think that people like didn't enjoy my company before, but when you're in this friendship and like one friend has these toxic behaviors and they come to you and they apologize and you actually see them change, then that friendship gets stronger. Well, I just remember like in our family roles that you, you, you would have been what we might call the tiptoe person. The person you tiptoe around. Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot of built up hurt and you process um, a no as rejection. And so, you know, you have... And the way that I deal with that hurt is through anger. You know, we don't want to have the tsunami of emotion. So we're just going to appease you. And uh, all of a sudden it became like, you're not the tiptoe person anymore. You're this authentic, beloved, enjoyed person that this freedom for us to say yes or no and you to say yes or no just made our like family time so delightful. Because there was nobody that was already with a chip on their shoulder looking for, you hurt me last time, or are you going to hurt me again kind of thing. Right. So it changed the whole family dynamic. You are doing that one thing, changed our entire family dynamic. Well, that's what we talk about is one person choosing healthy change can change the whole family for the better. My biggest hurt comes from our family dynamics. My relationship with you and my relationship with Jeffrey, my brother, especially, um, I I felt a lot of hurt and pain from those relationships. Therefore, I had the most to apologize for within those relationships. It wasn't just my words. It was my actions. And through this process, that's when I experienced like the heart change. You know, you say like I was this more like authentic person. Yeah, because I had found that inner peace. where I wasn't holding on to these resentments. I look at myself five years ago and like who I was in that broken, dark place. The weight of the grudges that I held, the weight of the resentments that I felt towards everybody, it was like the world is out to get me. Talk about a chip on your shoulder. It was like a mountain, a boulder on my shoulder. Through this process of making real apologies and taking ownership for my actions in these relationships, that's when I started to feel like freedom. Wow. The thing that I, I do have a doctorate, but it's in something that's kind of odd. It's called spiritual direction. But what it is, is, is encouraging people in their relationship to love themselves, love others and love God. Do you feel like that this process affected those three areas of your life? Yes. So the, something that I do want to mention is we're Christian. That's our faith, but every faith has forgiveness as a root part of the religion. True. Whether you're Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, doesn't matter. Christian. Right. Forgiveness is a key aspect of all religions. I prayed before each apology. I prayed that God would give me the words and the ability to show true repentance and that this one would stick. Right. And I think that empathy and like looking at it from the other person's point of view. So like when I say I made apologies to the people that hurt me, I mean like I held major resentments and grudges against you 
And yet I still put all of that aside and I went and I apologized for what I had done, not even considering the hurt that I had felt from you. And I think that by taking like my ego out of it and these resentments out of it and saying, can you please forgive me? Right. I was then able to forgive other people. So did you pray like, God, help me to understand the pain I caused to them? Like how did, because empathy is that feeling of being able to like put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So like when I said this, how did they feel? You know, and I mean, I'm really good at that. I think debate team training is like you, you would prepare your whole argument for debate. And then all of a sudden they'd say, okay, now you're not going to argue that anymore. Switch you're gonna sides. Go, you're going to switch sides and argue the other side. And you're like, what? Like I put all this effort into my side and now I have to switch over here and argue the other side. But it really taught perspective. And then of course your emotions, like, well, what emotions? So that empathy is putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes. So how did you get that? Well, thinking about have I ever acted similarly? Okay. So here I am apologizing to someone for rejecting me when I've rejected them. So you were able to t- tap into your own pain and go yes. and go, okay, this is how I feel when I'm rejected. Imagine when I said that to them, what they might have felt. Right. It started off as a selfish journey, I think, because it was like, I'm going to clean up my side of the street so that I can have inner peace. And that's what forgiveness was for me. It's like forgiving people for the part that they caused me was like letting go of that burden. Right. Because me sitting around thinking about my grudge against you does nothing to you. No. (laughs) It's not like dripping poison in your breakfast cereal every morning when I think about how much I hate you for doing X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, the grudge is only hurting me. So being able to see that and letting go helped me achieve inner peace by apologizing and taking accountability for my actions and asking for forgiveness helped create that inner peace. So loving myself was forgiving other people. Loving myself was forgiving myself. Loving other people was asking for forgiveness. And I think loving God was doing all of this work to become like my authentic self. Right. Because God created you particularly with certain skills and um, people to connect with and insights and abilities and all that anger and grudge holding is not allowing you to live in the glory of God, of who you authentically, who God created you to be. No, God didn't create me to be this angry, resentful person. No. So I have a question for you. Was it hard to forgive? You know, it's interesting because I went through a similar process where I went through everybody who I had, who had ever wronged me. And like, I wrote letters to people. There's probably somebody listening that would think like, I barely know you. Like, I mean, I was kind of weird about it. Like, we're not even in an active relationship. I never had a relationship with them afterwards, but I just wanted to own what I had done. And so this was probably right after my dad died. You know, I wrote like my ex-stepmother, my ex-stepsister, you know, people that I had worked with that I was judging of them and their teaching methods or um, just like plain jealous of them. Like they're the life of the party. I want to be the life of the party. Like I had people that I just was like jealous of because they were like so popular and loved and I wanted that. So, I mean, can you imagine? Did you ever hear back from those people? A few. You know, I think most people are kind of taken back 
when they get, you know, a letter from this person that you had a relationship with so many years ago. Yeah. And and then here you are apologizing. But I just kind of started it with something like, I'm really um, on a spiritual journey. I probably used, I'm a Christian now. I probably use real religious language knowing me back then, but I'm on an a journey, a self-discovery journey, and I really just want to own anything that I've done to hurt you. And so this is what I did, and this is what you deserved. And I want to point out that like that journey, because I think a lot of people think forgiveness is having a relationship with somebody. I said, I'm right. sorry, so now we're just going to be good buddies again. Like, Did you ever even hear from all the people that you said you were sorry to? No. I mean, I, I spoke with everyone that I apologized to, but there was not a relationship that continued on afterwards with a lot of people. Yeah. And so, you know, that's... And that was fine to me. You know, I do think that I got positive feedback from everybody. It wasn't like anyone was like, I don't forgive you. Right. You know? But I mean, it's kind of... Um, I didn't really expect or necessarily want those relationships to continue. Yeah, that's how I felt. I didn't necessarily want a relationship. I just wanted to say, you know, you deserved better than what I gave you. And I'm sorry. And I I own it. Please forgive me. And I did not want to have a relationship back with people that my dad had had in our family as kids. It was like, I was fine with, let's not try to create the artificial relationship we were forced to have in the first place. Um, I think a lot of times people think that forgiveness means that you have to have relationship with people in, in your family. And, and that's not the case. It's just owning your stuff. And, and a lot of times, like, you can say that you forgive somebody, but if there's patterns where they're abusing you and they've never owned it, then we, we're not going to have a relationship with that person. And you can still take ownership for your part in that relationship, the dysfunction that you created in that relationship and be able to walk away with your side of the street clean. Yes. And just go, you know, I did this and I did this. And that's a real apology. A real apology is not expecting the other person to apologize back. Right. But there's also, and maybe it would come up that somebody thinks, well, now we're going to be buddies again. I mean, that has never come up with me. I don't know. Has that come up with you where somebody all of a sudden wants to be your buddy buddy after you apologize? Um, I think that like maybe I've apologized to some ex-boyfriends kind of thing and they maybe had like popped up like, oh, hey, you know, like, let's see if the door's still open. Is the, right. Is the, and the is door the, was is the welcome mat? Does this mean the welcome mat's there? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. But I think too, you don't have to be mean about it. It's just like, you know, I think that our relationship served its purpose. There's that saying, friends are for a reason, for a season or for a lifetime. You've taught me a lot about myself and I will forever be grateful for that, but I'm not interested in continuing a relationship. Right. And we don't have to say that. We can just not respond. You know, you don't have to say, I don't, I don't think that be- there's a problem saying that. I don't think there is either. Um, but knowing me and my people pleasing, I'd be much more likely just to like never text you back. <laughs> so you're a ghoster. See, to me, that's I'm sorry. I probably, I'm not a ghoster because people don't, I don't have any people that's never happened. But I would, I think that you, if given that situation, you would actually choose ghosting over. I probably would. And I think that too, that's a little bit like self-centered because you don't want to make someone uncomfortable. You don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And so again, like I think the right thing to do in that situation is just to be honest. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I agree. I don't, I'm not there, but to be honest, but I want to. always been my um, weakness and my strength is honest. (laughs) Yeah. But I want to point out, because I think a lot of people say, like, how did you forgive 
abuse? Like, how did you forgive your dad? How did you forgive your dad? Well, I never understood that. I um, I knew that I was supposed to forgive. And so, you know, by will, I would say, I forgive you. And I would go through the practice of saying, I forgive. But I didn't feel it. And so then I, I got into learning like that Christ was in me. In my innermost being, the real me is perfect because Christ is in me. This The part that's going to live forever forgives my dad. And so I would just say, I can't forgive, but Christ, you're in me. And so you forgive. And so I'm trusting in the power and your grace of you in me to forgive. And pretty soon, like, I didn't think hate all the time towards him. So I have someone in my past that assaulted me. And I can't imagine being in a place where I could say, I forgive this person. And that's where you, I, think, I think we have to tell God the truth. Like, I can't forgive him, but you're in him. You're in me. And so you in me forgive him. I might not feel it. Like, kind of like going like, it's not my emotion. Okay. Okay. It's not my emotion. Christ in me forgives. And then as I'll just say a little bit about the journey of this forgiveness. And so all of a sudden I realized like, hey, I'm not hating you today. Like I'm not actively having these fantasies of hatred and revenge. And and so that was kind of like, huh, I must be forgiving more. And then I finally got to where I could like start to remember the good things that I got in that family, like the ability to speak honestly, the ability to be articulate, the ability to get things done and and be held to a schedule and accountability and organization. These were gifts that I got in that home from my dad. And then eventually, I got to the point where I'm like, I view what happened to me as one of my greatest blessings. Yeah, you lost me. And the reason why I, I view it as one of my greatest blessings is because of my great need. I wouldn't know God. I wouldn't know love. I wouldn't know forgiveness, except for the great need from the great pain. Now I have this understanding of God. Yeah, like the last shall be first, and you know, that kind of thing. And then I also have the fruit of like helping other people get free from their pain. And there's not very many people who are willing to talk and go there with these people. And so it's just so fulfilling to see God bring glory and love and redemption, not just for me, what was stolen from me, but from for other people. Forgiveness, being able to forgive someone who has done you wrong in the most horrendous, disgusting way was a way for you to keep your inner peace. Because that stuff will drive you crazy. It will drive you crazy. It drove me crazy. The other day I was listening to a talk show and a lady called in about something that she had said and her mother had done to her. And she wrote this very articulate uh, thing about why her her mother was demeaning her and had this pattern of demeaning her. And then the text she got back from her mom was, I'm sorry that you received it that way. I think you're overreacting. Oh, that sounds like not a real apology. (laughs) Yeah. So then what are the steps of a real apology? A real apology is, of course, we start off and say, I'm sorry. The second thing we do is we say what we did wrong. I told you that you weren't good with your finances. So naming the behavior. Naming the behavior specifically. I did this. 
uh, the third thing is that you would name the harm that you did to the person. So, so like the feelings that you may yeah, have caused. When I said this, you probably felt stupid. It probably reminded you of the time being put down. You probably felt judged. And so we uh, acknowledge the emotional, physical, heart. How did the, this is the empathy? How would they have felt in their heart when I did this? When I did this, said this. How would they have felt and acknowledge that? And then this is a tricky thing. Name what they deserve. I think that's so important. Like you deserve to be talked to with honor. You deserve to be respected. As your mother, you deserve to be treated with respect and for me to be your cheerleader, not the one who criticizes you all the time. Right. And I think also probably the most important part is at the end, asking for forgiveness. Yeah. Saying the words, will you forgive me? Giving that person the choice is really, really important. One of the things that I think is most difficult too, as you're going through this process, is not to name what the person did that triggered you from doing it in the first place. No, because a real apology does not measure parts. A real apology takes accountability 100% for your actions. Right. So we can't start off and say like, for example, I'm sorry, but when you ignored me, I got so angry that, that I, I cussed at you. you. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we don't even mention what their side is. Right. We just only own our part. And and oftentimes, people that you have healthy relationships will own their part. That can't be expected. And that's taking your ego out of it. And also, you should not expect that the person is able to forgive you. Right. The point of a real apology is trying to make amends for what you've done. It's keeping your side of the street clean. It's showing that you have a heart change. You can't change someone else's heart. You can't make them forgive you. And I mean, I think it's okay to even say, you know, I have a problem with this and I'm working on it and I apologize and I, I, I'm really hoping that I'll never do this again. You know, because we kind of talked last time how I, even though I'd say I was sorry, like every six months it would come up again, but each time I think that I gave you a real apology and you could, I don't think so. No, not in the beginning for sure. Not. Okay. But I think the more that I held you accountable for putting me down about my weight or making me feel judged about my weight, the more that you saw that it was a real problem that needed to be. So you felt like at first that um, I was more about justifying my intent, right? That I didn't intend to hurt you. So you shouldn't be upset. Versus what I really did. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's in, but th- so then I have Do to you tell you. Do you disagree? No, I don't. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I, you know, like I told you last time, like my perception wants to not remember this. You know, I right. want to only think of myself, you know, with these rosy glasses on. But so, so I have to just say to you again, thank you for not cutting me out of your life. Yeah. I mean, you were real close there, just so you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> but one conversation away. <laughs> yeah. One pregnancy I, test away. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but even back when you were younger, you would come back and you're willing to go through the dance of the relationship, the messiness of figuring it out instead of just saying, you know, my mom's toxic. I'm not going to have anything to do with her. You always kind of came back and, and allowed me to be part of your life. You were in a pattern and it wasn't good for you. And And I think that there is also a time and place, though, that if you're in that toxic pattern, it's okay to go no contact. It's okay to put up this boundary and say, like, I'm not in a place right now where I can have you in my life. So what would it take? Let's say somebody's doing that. How would I know to, to give this person another chance? What would that look like? 
Don't you think a real apology might be a doorway to say, if I got get a real apology from you, then yeah. I might open up the gate and let you a little a little bit in to see how healthy this is for yeah. me. I you know know people that have cut all ties with certain family members for toxic reasons, and they are are absolutely justified in doing so. And I think if that person came and owned a hundred percent owned their stuff. I could see there being, you know, a little bit of a wiggle room for that door to open. Right. But there's certain, especially if there's addiction or whatnot, part of it where it's like, this is going to kill me if you continue on this. This is so damaging to me that you just would have to really know. Or even let's say that that somebody had a, a family member who's an addict who said they were sorry. Well, they can say that they're sorry, but your actions have to match. You right. have to so, go into rehab. So do you, you think have to go you, get sober? So do you think that that person would maybe need to show like a period of time? Okay, before you get to come in, I need to see that you're like sober for a year or... I think every relationship is different. I don't know. Because I know, you know, there's addiction in our family, there's addiction in my husband's family. Mm -hmm. And I know right now he has a family member who has been sober for a pretty significant amount of time. And, you know, he's welcome into our home now and he is building a relationship back with my husband. And I think that there wasn't ever really a real apology there, but his actions... Especially with men, I feel like yeah, it's men so are hard. Gonna, yeah, to, it's going to be hard to give that to, real, real apology. apology. But to see the actions, I know that my husband's so proud of him. Oh, that's wonderful. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you for being so honest and sharing your journey of um, transparency and becoming that safe person. Yeah. Because that was huge in our family dynamics. Safe people make real apologies. Safe people make real apologies. Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 